0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Welcome back to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. It's, uh, it, we're going to look at the upcoming WHL Banner draft, and that means it's an in the dub segment brought to you by uh, our good friends at dubnetwork.ca. Stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League by going to dubnetwork.ca. You can do that on a daily basis and get your daily dose of the dub. Uh all right, let's look at the uh, WHL Bannum draft and I'll be honest, I don't watch the Bantams. Uh I don't know the guys until they get to the, the junior A or the uh major junior level. So I'll get to know these guys starting in, you know, basically after the draft. Uh but a guy who does know them is Brayden Sullivan with DraftGeek. Uh, you, uh, you can check out their rankings at draftgeek.ca. Uh Braden, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are things?
1: Going good. Been busy, but going good overall.
0: Yeah, busy time of year for you guys, I'm sure. Um, let's get right to it. First off, compare this year to last year. I, I think we know Matthew Savoy is just a, a talent all on his own, but last year's draft was a pretty good one. Uh, out, Maybe take Matthew Savoy out of the, the conversation for a second. How does this year compare to last year?
1: Well, just like kind of every other year, there's guys at the top and there's guys at the bottom. Uh, this year, the uh, the difference between you know the second-round pick and a guy going in the and the 5th might be a little bit more closer than it is in years past, but overall it seems like a pretty decent year where a lot of top players are going to come out of uh, the draft, and players are going to win Memorial Cups, players are going to be top scorers, and then you got your depth guys who are also going to fill in spots.
0: And uh, then, of course, you do add Matt, Matt Savoy back into the mix, and just uh, a, 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 maybe a generational talent. Who we'll know. We'll be talking about that more as the NHL draft for his year comes around, but um certainly one of the top prospects we've seen uh, coming out of the WHL or through the WHL potentially uh in a long time. And I think most people are expecting them to actually go the college route, which is going to put an extra curious spin on the Bannum draft this year. Now it's the Winnipeg Ice picking number one. They also have the number nine pick, so you can see them just making that selection and crossing their fingers because knowing they have a number another first round pick uh, to make. If if there wasn't that commitment to Denver where his brother Carter is going as well, I mean if there was a really good chance he was going the WHL route, this would be a slam dunk pick, wouldn't it? Matthew Savoy number one.
1: Well yeah, he's just he's the best player I think the WHL has seen in a really long time. And even though he's committed to Denver right now, you can see that Winnipeg kinda of set up uh set it up for him by training for his brother the other week and this weekend is the first weekend that Matt that's gonna to get to see Matt play against his own age group and so far he's looked pretty solid. Um, I mean, there's not much to say. The guy has one MVP, has an underage in every year. He's in every different age group, and he's he's all around the best player. If you look to next year's draft, you got Connor Bedard, who's a similar player could apply for exceptional status, but he just doesn't have the same kind of work ethic and grit that um, Matthew Savoy has.
0: All right. So whether or not the Winnipeg Ice uh, take him number one is a story uh, we'll keep an eye on, but not a question that you can answer. So let's move on from Matthew Savoy. Is there a clear cut number two guy, or is it one of those years where it could be four or five different candidates to go number two? You know, I think this
1: year there's a there's a clear cut number two guy there out in Winnipeg as well. Who who if do you want to guys choose not to take Savoy, they could go with uh, and that's Connor Geeky, brother of a uh, Morgan Geeky, kind of a big stocky power forward who can do it all offensively. Still has a lot of r- real raw pieces to his game, but overall he can mix up his offensive attack and play a lot of different ways while remaining physical and utilizing or imposing his frame on, uh, on opponents. But you know what? Uh, after that, that's kind of where it starts to get a little bit a little mixed up. But overall, I think the 1-2 in the draft are pretty well set.
0: Well, you can see uh, the top 10 uh, that you have uh, that you put out. I think it was updated what start of April. And I know you have your final rankings coming out next week. And I think people will be able to get that through DraftGeek.ca, correct? Yep. All right. Well, the top 10 that you have listed there right now. It shows uh, pretty well for a couple of uh, teammates uh, coming up in the top 4 or 5 as well uh with uh I'm going to pronounce it as Kane or Cohen Zimmer.
1: Yeah, Cohen Zimmer, yeah.
0: Cohen Zimmer, all right, and uh, Keaton Dohaniak who I'm uh, I'm guessing is the younger brother of uh current Edmonton Oil king uh, Logan Dohaniak. Yep, yep. So a couple of teammates who you're expecting to go pretty high here in the banner draft next week.
1: Yeah, they're they're two, you know, physically strong players kind of both play uh heavy minutes on that OH Edmonton team. Mm-hmm. Um, both kind of sell into their roles really well Keaton's kind of a, a stay-at-home physical defenseman who can transition the puck effortlessly and skates like skates phenomenally while uh, Zimmer's more of a you know power forward who can mix up his offensive attack has a lot he can come at you in a lot of different ways and kind of one of those very well-respected players when he comes down with the puck a uh, lot similar to kind of Connor McLennan and the way he's able to finish with many different ways. But he's got a great shot, great puck skills. And I think overall right now he, he could be the best best forward available behind, uh, behind Geek and Savoy.
0: It's such a, a challenge for me to look at guys who are listed at 5'9", 5'10", 5'7", 5'8", and kind of try to figure out what they're going to be three years from now when they're making an impact as 17-year-olds. Uh, in the Western Hockey League takes me back to Adam Lowry who I think was 5'8 or 5'9 when he was drafted and ended up being 6'4, 6'5. Uh, is that a challenge for you?
1: Yeah it's kind of hard to predict you know who will grow and who won't grow and I think over a course of a year you kind of see a guy grow maybe one or two inches and you got other guys who will grow three, four. but in general you're kind of you're kind of betting that's kind of the the thing with having a banner draft and not having a draft at age 15 you're kind of betting on guys that guys will grow and, and fill out into their frames but I mean that's that's what the scouts do, and that's kind of that's kind of where they get paid.
0: Uh Braden Sullivan from uh, Draft Geek, my guest, as we're uh, looking ahead to the WHL's Bannum Draft next week. Now, again, your rankings that you have that are just visible to the public right now, the top ten, kind of goes center defense, center defense, center defense. So a pretty good mix of forwards and and uh, blue liners. We mentioned Keaton Dehanek. There's a couple other defensemen I'm sure you'll want to touch on, and Denton Matichek and, and Matt uh a couple of guys you could see going top ten.
1: Yeah, two guys I could see going top ten right now. You know, Linger might fall out of that just because he's committed to uh, to Michigan. But it's interesting with those two, just how different they play. Denton's more of a pure puck moving defenseman who plays very physical in his own end, while Matt Lingren's kind of you know a finesse defenseman with outstanding skating and speed and loves to transport the puck on his own. Um, Matt had outstanding numbers this year in the uh, in the Winnipeg top league. Numbers that are very similar to a guy like Kalen Addison who came out of that league. And if you look at Matt Salingren, he's a kid who's kinda of a little small, a little thin, but his skating is so pure and his skating so was is just so unreal at this age that a lot of players a lot of teams are still willing to take him in the top ten. Uh, his dad was a big guy who played in the NHL, so he's got good bloodlines. But as of right now he's committed to Michigan, so we'll see where he kinda of falls in the draft. But I I bet on a team taking him pretty high.
0: Another uh, guy with a last name that uh, W.H.L. fans will recognize is Oasis Weisblatt, uh, his brother Ozzy Weisblatt right now with the PA Raiders, and uh, taking on the Oil Kings in the uh, Eastern Conference Final. Now, he's he's small. I mean, 5'5", five, five, 145 pounds. But again, we're talking about 14-year-olds, uh, so lots can change. Uh, being he's the youngest of four brothers, and we've seen uh, what Ozzy's been able to do this year as, as a rookie, do you think having those bloodlines helps a guy – with his draft stock and, and maybe a guy who might be projected 15 uh, or something like that might actually go top 10 because you know what his uh, older brothers are like.
1: Well, yeah, and that kind of helps with commitments too. If you see a guy who whose brothers are playing in the WHL, you can kind of sit there and feel more comfortable taking him. But like if you look at o- Oasis, he's he's much different to his, from his brother. Uh, a little bit of a smaller kid at this age, a little bit of a meatball on the ice, but doesn't play like that. He plays all like Wolanski does in the sense where he just mm. – attacking you in a whole lot of different ways, but still has that kind of nasty streak to his game. But uh, yeah, you know, bloodlines are, are something that a lot of teams will look at. And uh, and they're really comfortable taking a guy who, who has brothers that play in the WHL or, or parents that play in the WHL rather than brothers who have gone up and played in the A.J. or in, in the college roads.
0: Uh, anyone uh, from, I don't know, Whitehorse or something following the Dylan Cousin path this year? Anybody from outside the, uh, the, the normal uh, stomping grounds that uh, you expect to hear his name called?
1: Not too much this year. Kind of just a few guys that will hover in. There's a there's a kid Alberta Cup the Yellowknife who played at the Canada Winter Games. Who, you know, is a pretty pretty good skater. Um, I think his last name's Cunningham. But outside of that,
0: you're not going to find that Dylan Cousins this It Seems like
1: the the main four provinces are, are developing the top top players this year.
0: Okay. Uh, and now when it comes to goaltenders, is that I know when I, when I talk NHL draft with NHL scouts, a lot of them will have dedicated you know NHL teams will have dedicated uh, goaltender scouts uh some scouts tell me it's it's tougher to assess a goaltender is that a challenge for you yeah you know we we
1: kind of i kind of when looking at goalies you got to look at goalies outside and over the course of the year you can kind of see which goalies get the the, the better starts the, which goalies have you know better better stats better mobility better skating and this year it's kind of it's very wide open with the goalies there's a lot of different guys who can go at the top and there's a lot of different guys who can go at the bottom right now for us we have uh ethan bonaventura out of, out of winnipeg as our top goalie just with the just with his side and his frame there's so much upside to him but it's very wide open and i, I think we could see a lot of different goalies going in a lot of different places
0: could you see more than one or maybe just a, a handful of them going in the in the top two rounds
1: yeah i could see one or two going in the first round with ethan being one of those but uh if you look back to the O two 2 class there's about three or four that went in the second i think we could see something similar to that this year
0: well, Braden, I've asked you about a number of guys, but I'm sure there's other players I haven't uh, talk, touched on yet um, that you want to tell us about. Uh, who are some personal favorites that we haven't already covered?
1: Yeah, well, just, just south of Edmonton, one of the guys that we have very high on our list, and we've had high all years, is Nate Danielson, and he's he's probably the best top two-way uh, player in the draft, who is an absolutely fluid skater, skates very well, uh, skilled stick, able to create offensive chances, and he's got great size at age, and then when you kind of look at uh, floodlines there, his brother uh, Noah ended up committing to to Medicine Hat this year. So I think a lot of teams feel comfortable taking him early, and I think we could see him going anywhere from top 10 to top five. Yep. Um And then, yeah, just mixing it up after that, you can, they're just out in Fort Saskatchewan, Jordan Gustafson, a real character player who plays a hard-nosed game, plays well in all three zones, and has really developed his offensive game this year by um, quickening his shot release and, and being a guy who can contribute on the power play, but overall, um, you know it's, this draft is really wide open. I think there's about 13, 14 guys who people are set on going in the first round, and after that, it's going to be a, a bit of a rolling of the dice for the teams picking in the, in the second half of the first round.
0: You got a guy that you have circled sort of as a fifth or sixth round type of guy. Jordan Everly was taken in the sixth round. He became a star in the WHL. You have a personal favorite like that? That we might not hear in the first two or three rounds, but uh, you're hoping to, to hear his name called and think he could be a steal?
1: Yeah, you, just looking out at Forsask, Jaden Jolie is kind of one of those guys who I've been a fan of more and more as years progress just with how, how well he's able to carry the attack with fluid movement and how he how he, cerebral he is with the puck attacking different lanes and identifying different lanes. Um, he's not physically developed like a lot of different players here and he doesn't have great size or great shot, but just how he moves through the offensive zone and how effortlessly he's able to get putts in the net is just, it's, it's amazing to see. And I don't really think that a lot of teams have him pinned as a top tier round guy, but for us, we have him, I think in the second half of the, of the second round, and I think that, that I would feel comfortable myself taking him there, but you never know. He could be a third, fourth rounder.
0: Excellent. Brayden, uh, one more time. Well, uh, when the list is ready, when, what day do you expect it to be ready to the pub for the public and uh, how do they get it?
1: Yeah, we're just going to be, have a busy next week or, our final draft guide comes out on the, uh, on the 30th or Tuesday, and we've got public rankings going out on, on Tuesday as well, mock draft going out on Wednesday, and then obviously the draft and profiles going out on,
0: on Thursday. And all of that at draftgeek.ca? Yep. Excellent. Braden. I really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for doing this once again, and uh, looking forward to the draft. I, I assume you're going down to render. I'm not, but uh, enjoy it if you are, and uh, we'll talk again. Yep, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. There you go. There's a the primer for the WHL Bantam draft uh, coming up next week, and uh, maybe we'll, next weekend, maybe we'll uh, touch on some of the results of that. Uh, I don't have a plans in particular, but uh, maybe we'll talk to a GM or something to see how it all unfolded from their perspective. Maybe something really interesting happens, some sort of massive trade or something like that. Don't know. We'll see. Thought I would just add this in as a bit of a bonus uh, during Game Four, what, the second intermission. Game four between uh, the Oil Kings and the Prince Albert Raiders. I was joined in our uh, broadcast booth by former Edmonton Oil King netminder Tristan Jari. Happened to be in town. I actually didn't know this uh, before, and we kind of mentioned it at the start of the interview, but uh, didn't know it. But he actually lives in the Edmonton area in the off season. I I asked him. I said, "So what are you doing here?" He goes, "I live here." Caught me off guard. Don't usually hear uh, about the uh, the guys from Vancouver who uh, end up settling in Edmonton, but played his WHL career here, said he fell in love with the city, and uh, I guess you don't spend your winters here if you're playing in the NHL. Unless you're playing for the Oilers. But whatever the case, I thought uh, it's, it's not a, a super long interview, just uh, like three and a half minutes, something like that, but uh, good to catch up with a former Memorial Cup champion who helped backstop the Oil Kings to that championship back in 2014. So Here is uh, my brief conversation with uh, Tristan Jari, now with the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins slash the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, restricted free agent. Uh, he's got one more year on his contract, and then he's the, uh, an RFA. Could be a trade target for a lot of teams. It's uh, hard for him to uh, stick in the NHL uh, behind uh, Matt Murray, and I know they've got a couple other goaltenders there as well that are um, competing for that backup spot. Maybe a trade target for another team that needs goaltenders. Anyway, here's that uh, conversation with uh, Tristan Jari. Tristan Jari, uh, the starter who led the Oil Kings to the Memorial Cup back in 2014. Uh, Welcome back to Edmonton, Uh, Tristan. I didn't know, you were just telling me this is off-season home for you. I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, I fell in love with it when I played here and ended up buying a house, and this is where I spend my off-season now. Nice, a
0: Vancouver guy. like they all do, they uh, migrate to Edmonton instead of uh, staying in Vancouver. You don't hear that story very often. Uh, tell me about this season for you uh, in the uh, Penguins organization in Wilkes-Barre and a little bit in Pittsburgh this year. how things go?
2: It was good. It started out a little slow for me, but ramped up as the season went on. I just kind of took on a different role as a starting goalie and playing as many games as I could. And I think it went well. And I ended up being called up at the end of the season. Yeah, well, we only got
0: you for a few minutes, so I have to talk to you about Oil King stuff, obviously. But when you think back at your WHL career, what stands out the most? The Memorial Cup win, the win in Portland that year? Because I know it's a different feeling, isn't it? Winning on the road in Portland, winning the Memorial Cup in London. Both awesome, but two different feelings.
2: Yeah, obviously winning in Portland was a very tough thing to do back in the day. And the fans that they had and the atmosphere that... Portland brought every night playing in Portland. I think coming back to Rexall and playing in Rexall, that always helped us and gave us the momentum going back when we had to play in Portland. I think it was a great experience and it just helped us in the Memorial Cup.
0: Then of course the uh, marathon overtime game in London against Valdor. A couple of big games against Valdor that year. Anything in particular stand out uh, from those games uh, for you?
2: Yeah, it was a cool experience. It was something that you'll never forget. It was one of the longest games in Memorial Cup history, so it's something that you'll always remember and something that yeah. you'll think back on that helped us win the Memorial Cup.
0: Still have Tom and Jerry on your mask?
2: I still do and always will. Now for those who
0: don't know the story, where did that come from?
2: It came from Christian Pels, one of the players that passed when I started as a 16 and 17 year old here in Edmonton when I started playing. He, uh, Him and Martin Gurnat called me Tom and Jerry, <laughs> so it was something that I always stuck with ever since he's passed.
0: It's awesome that you've kept that tradition, going the Oil Kings, still have Christian's uh, jersey hanging up in the dressing room as well. Um, so from now until the start of next year, uh, you're big, uh, what do you do in the offseason uh, outside of uh, obviously training and things like that? What do you do for fun?
2: Well, come to as many Oil Kings games as I can. It's a, a fun time of year. It's a fun time for the Oil Kings as they make their way through the playoffs and then... As soon as that's over, and as far as they go, I'll get back to training and do what I can for next season.
0: Awesome. Do you know, like, when actually do you go back to, to Pittsburgh? Are you, are you a guy that goes back, like, in July or something like that? Or
2: uh, I'll usually make my way back in August, end of August, and then get ready for September.
0: You cross paths with a lot of former uh, Oil King teammates uh, in the AHL or in your time in the NHL?
2: Uh, yeah, usually. We played... Uh, Baddock a lot this year and then uh, I always keep in touch with Kurt. Kurt's one of my good friends so I always spend a lot of time with him in the summer and it's always fun to reconnect with a lot of guys especially the ones here tonight.
0: Now Brandon Baddock, a guy who likes to uh, mix it up in front of the net, not a stranger to bumping a goaltender. You as a goaltender not a stranger into bumping the defense or or the forwards. Uh, You guys come uh, across each other like that too?
2: Yeah, this year we actually came across each (laughs) other. and It was funny that you see that he—he he always says that he's gonna patrol the goalie, and it's funny that I'm the goalie. So it was always fun that he was out front. That Jars, great to catch up with you. Thanks for stopping by. Oh thanks for having me. Guy. Good luck,
0: uh, Tristan Jari, uh, former oil king. Up next, we turn on the 2019 draft spotlight. Luke Bast of the Brooks Bandits is the guest. He'll help set the stage for the uh, RBC Cup and the Doyle Cup which uh, got going last night, didn't go Brooks' way, but I think you'll enjoy this conversation with Luke Bast next here on the Pipeline Show. Pashnuk with a fake shot and he goes the other way, spinning a couple more spins two or three of them. Princeton Paschnuck passing with a shot, he scores! Far down! Princeton Pashnuk, are you serious?
1: Hey, it's Princeton Pashnuk from the Arizona State Sun Devils and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
0: Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today.